0: Good morning, everybody. Y'all doing well today? Yeah, mostly so. Good morning online, watching us. So who, who is our type A people out there that have already finished shopping for Christmas? Uh, yeah, we, their hands are going up, okay. It, all the rest of you around them, feel free to just slap them on the back of the head, tell them they're ruining whatever. <laughs> so those of you that raised your hand, you've bought the gift for the person who you don't ever know what to buy for. You've already got that accomplished. You know, we all, we all have somebody like that. You know, what do you give to the person who has everything? Doesn't it seem like dad always holds that position? I mean, what's a seven-year-old going to give dad, right? And it's not like the, the dad's ever telling the seven-year-old, here's what I need. You know, and where does the seven-year-old get his money from, dad, <laughs> to go buy the gift? You, you know, we laugh about that, but and that's a lot like giving to God, isn't it? I mean, w- what am I going to give God? God? God has no need there's nothing I can do to enrich him, to enable him, to entertain him, yet, yet I do want to give him something. You want to give him something, don't you? That That's how love works. When there is real love, you want to give. Not just once, not just this big thing. I mean, consistently, constantly, always. You want to give at cost, at sacrifice. You want to bless. I I, I want to bless God, and I know you do too. The question is, how do we do that? Well, that, that's the series we've begun, We're starting last week, going to carry it all the way up through Christmas Eve, looking at how we give Christ, how we give Jesus a great Christmas. I, I think that's so important to, to stop and think about that, you know, for a couple of reasons. For one, we do a lot of work to give others a great Christmas, don't we? I mean, we've got, a, you know, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, uh, you know, for our children, oh, for my family, for myself. You know, I want to give this, this great Christmas, and, and we really do put a lot of energy and effort at times into doing that. Well, I, you know, I said last week, you know, we, we're, we're the ones gathered here today who believe Jesus is the reason for the season. But when we look at all of our activity and energy that is given toward giving a great Christmas to someone, we can end up looking like exactly like people who don't have a clue that Jesus is the reason for the season. Now, I'm not saying don't give somebody around you a great Christmas. I am saying, boy, I need to stop and think, what kind of energy and effort am I putting toward giving that to Christ? I mean, it, it is about him, right? You know, another reason, and I think it's probably pretty much the same, but just just all the Christmas trappings. Now, you will never hear this preacher say, don't make cookies. Make make the cookies. Make make the cookies, the fudge, go to the parties, buy the presents, put up the tree and the decorations. Man, I love all this stuff. I love this time of year. I, I know many of you do. Let's keep doing that. But because I love it, And because it can kind of pick me up and carry me away, again, it doesn't mean that that's wrong, but it does mean, hey, wait a minute, I need to stop and remember, it actually is about something other than trees and presents and fudge, right? And so somewhere I've got to be slowing myself down and thinking, okay, what am I doing to give Christ a great Christmas? So that's our question that we're working on, and we started last week, actually, with the person of Christ himself. I mean, if you're going to give a gift to somebody, you need to know something about that person, right? And, and we actually came away from last week saying that, that the gift we want to, be to give to Christ is we want to be just like him. Boy, what a way to applaud him and let him know what he means to us. I want to be just like you. Now, gosh, there's <laughs> quite a few things to be like Christ, right? We did kind of Boil it down to one thing. Not, not all of the ways we could be like Christ, but one way. We said we want the heart of Christ. I want what makes Christ's heartbeat to make my heart beat, and that is a love for the Father. A, a love for the Father that is so great that I would actually want what the Father wants over and above what I want. And I know what the Father wants right here, right? Right here, I, I, I know what he wants for my hurts and pains, my finances, my relationships, my fears, my dreams, my, my job, everything, everything. I know what God wants right here. And I'm going to desire that even more than maybe what I would naturally desire myself because that's, that's, that's the gift I'm giving. To Christ this Christmas. And, and today's gift we're going to look at, it, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a part two, but the two gifts go to, together. Next week, we're going to look at a distinct new gift. But today's gift, have you ever gotten a gift where they were, you know, two boxes, two wrappings, but they were put together with one bow, with one ribbon, you know, and then the person giving it said, you, you got to open this one first. Okay, well, that's what I'm doing last week and this week. Okay, these two gifts go together. We opened last week's first. And what today is, we're going to take last week's gift, and we're going to learn from Mary about a heart and and kind of the attitude with which we say, hey, God, I I want what you want even more than what I want. So let's look and see what Mary has for us today. Would you look at Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. You'll find that about 80% of the way through your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John and Acts after that. Uh, Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 26. This is a real piece of uh, a core of the Christmas story. I would imagine these verses for many will sound familiar. You've heard heard them before. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and following. It says, "In, in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at that saying. (laughs) I love that phrase. That's just a little bit of an understatement. Yeah, I'm guessing if an angel shows up, you're just a little bit wigged out. <laughs> you're, what in the world is going on here? And, and the angel said to her, do not, uh, but she was greatly troubled and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great will be called the son of the most high and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end mary said to the angel uh what that's my own translation (laughs) uh how is this going to be since i am a, a virgin And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born to you will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, also has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. It's almost like the angel is trying to give her a little evidence, a little proof that God can do the amazing. Now, this is not so much the miracle as what the angel just presented to her. She's going to get pregnant in kind of the normal process in a way other than the fact that she and her husband are as old as dirt. And, and they thought that time had already passed. And, and so he's saying, hey, listen, God's doing some amazing things, especially verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Right, I wonder if anybody's faith in here needed that today. For nothing will be impossible with God. With, with God. Verse 38, Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So we have a, a pretty dramatic opening to our, our story just with the, the presence here of an angel. That, that kind of feels like a, a big moment, right? And, and believe it or not, I mean, it's Luke chapter 1. We're at the very beginning of the story. We're only 26 verses in, and yet this is Gabriel's second appearance. He's already appeared once in the, in the first 25 verses that, that I didn't read, and there he appeared to Zechariah. Zechariah is married to Elizabeth, who we did read about, and told them, hey, you're going to have a baby after all these years, and uh, this baby is going to be pretty special. Zechariah and Elizabeth's little boy is going to become who we know as John the Baptist, He's a cousin to Jesus, and he is the announcer, the herald, the one who's saying the Messiah is coming. And so we, we have that big moment, and now we have Gabriel coming again. You know, stop and think about Gabriel for a moment. By the way, next week, we're going to look at Gabriel. Uh, we're going to learn from him about a gift we can give to Christ. But, you know, the Bible shows us, often the word uses multitudes. And sometimes it says multitudes times multitudes. Most would understand we're talking about hundreds of millions or more of angels. But out of all of the angels that the Bible talks about, we're only given the name of two. Gabriel and Michael. And we see them in the Old Testament. We see them in the New Testament. And uh, as we look at Gabriel, he always seems to be coming from the throne room of God. So whatever his role, whatever his job is, it seems to have him fixed there right by the... Th- That's where he works, next to God. Seems like a pretty cool place, right? And, and usually his job is to deliver messages. Not just any message. Usually his messages kind of like change human history. Uh, he, he's kind of delivering the big messages. So he's an angel. He's not God. He's an angel, but he lives right next to God and he speaks for God. So there's that. So a pretty big moment, and you will find with Gabriel, every time he shows up, the next thing he has to say to somebody is, don't be afraid. So, you know, we wonder what angels look like. We're not given much description, none of like what we see in movies and books and, and, and everything else. But, but whatever that moment looked like, it always needs to be said, don't be afraid. Okay, so this is, this is a pretty dramatic moment. Now, I, I say all that to say this. There is this big angel there, it is a big moment, and that's why th- that's what concerns me that we're going to miss just how small of a moment that this really is. I mean, you, we many of us know the story, we've heard the story, so we've got Abriel, we've, we've got this big angel here, now we're being introduced to Mary, and I mean, Mary's like what, the most well-known woman in the Bible, the most well-known woman in Christianity, so it's just everything about this is big, and yet it's not big at all. You know, know, because we have Mary in such a lofty view, we forget she's like a 15-year-old girl right here. I don't know her exact age, historically, contextually. She would have been between about 14 and 19. So I'm going to go with 15 today. She's a 15-year-old girl from Nazareth, of all places. You know, you and I are very used to hearing the word Nazareth, aren't we? I I mean, we've heard the title, Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. And we know we've, you know, we've read the Christmas story. Mary is from Nazareth. So we're very used to hearing that. The, the reality is, Nazareth doesn't even have a zip code. I, I mean, it is a small, do nothing village. You never went to Nazareth unless you had to go to Nazareth. You're never just going to, no, nobody's traffic is going to just naturally carry them through Nazareth. The way this is written and I don't think you quite pick it up in a natural reading, but it's Luke is writing it to sound like this. You know Mary is from Nazareth. You you know in Galilee it, it's I mean he's almost anticipating his reader doesn't know where where Nazareth is. You know Israel's not big. It's like the size of New Jersey. But you know in every state in America and the small ones There's a town that nobody in that state knows that's there except the people that live there. We have those in Virginia. There's all kinds of little little villages, little towns. We've never, because I've never had any reason to go that way, and I don't want to go that way. That's, folks, that's Nazareth. There's nobody that's going to know this girl. There's nobody that's going to know this village. We think of the small beginnings of Jesus at the manger. No, it begins before that. I mean, everything about this is small unnoticeable and humble and so in this very small moment you have this big angel and he and he says greetings favored one that word favored is is really important uh, because it means what is about to happen comes from God's favor (laughs) what's favor it's the word grace What's, it, what's about to happen is because God is gracious, it's because God is kind, it's, it's because God shows uh, this kind of favor to people. You know, we think very lofty of Mary, and, and we should. As a matter of fact, let me just tell you where the sermon's going. At the end of it, I'm going to say you and I would do well to be like Mary. So I don't want to bring Mary down any. She she holds a, a lofty view. She is a godly, virtuous woman. But this is not a study of what Mary did so that God would use her. This is not about what Mary did to earn the opportunity to carry the Son of God. This is more about God's grace, God's favor in giving her the opportunity to carry the Son of God. And... And what an opportunity, right? I mean, I mean to carry the, the son of God. Well, what an opportunity to which she says, huh? It, you, I'd say the same thing, wouldn't you? I, 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 I think I'd be a, a, a little concerned, a, a little wigged out right here. What, what is happening? You know, I think, folks, sometimes when you and I, when we read the Bible, it can feel like, you know, with every page I'm reading about a miracle, with every page, I'm reading about a, an angelic visit, uh, a supernatural moment. And we think, well, you know, that's, that's how people lived back then. That's, how they're, that's why they were able to believe, because they just went from one miracle to the next, one supernatural encounter to the next. And, and we can kind of begin to think that that's, that's how. And when you read the Bible that way, then it's pretty natural to say, I wonder why God doesn't work that way today. Have you ever thought that? You have. I promise you, you have. Well, i should be easier to believe if God would do this kind of stuff today. God would show up and do miracles and people were meeting. But you go back and you read the Bible a little bit closer and you realize, you know, miracles aren't actually happening every single day. The, the Bible covers a 1,500-year time span in human history. Stop and think about where the miracles are. You've got the life of Moses. Not the whole life of Moses, the last third of the life of Moses. Where, where he was showing us a lot of miracles. And, ri- and right after Moses, Joshua got in a little bit on the miracle business, didn't he? And then you fast forward a little bit and you got Elijah and Elisha. And, and they were doing some pretty dramatic things. Some, some pretty dramatic miracles. Do you realize that's it in the Old Testament? I, I mean, you now got to jump all the way to the New Testament and you've got the life of Christ. But again, when I say the life of Jesus, how many years are we talking about? Three Three years that he was doing these dramatic miracles and that angels and demons and everything was showing up. And then right after Christ, and I would really say it's kind of front-loaded in the ministry of the disciples. The further you go in the New Testament, the less and less you see of this. I mean, you start trying to add it all up and you're talking about maybe 120, 150 years of the 1,500 years that the Bible is covering that, that all of these miracles are being done. And they're not being done every day. I, I'm just saying that you can go a whole 150 years. That, that's all. So when we look back and say, like, gosh, I, it'd be easier to believe. No, folks, the challenge to believe was in the Bible too. That They weren't actually living from miracle to miracle, angel sighting to angel sighting. Just like you and me, they had to trust in God and who he was. They had to the trust in the, the word of God. As a matter of fact, as this moment is happening, you might remember we've gone through the whole Bible this year, right? Started in Genesis last, last uh, January, and that carried us up to Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, the into the New Testament. I, Mike uh, Osborne, I think, preached on Malachi. That was in the summer. I, I wasn't here, and, and he preached on Malachi. And you remember, he talked about that's the last prophet. And we enter 400 years. Do you know what it's called? 400 years of silence. So, so when, when we see this event happening right here, there's been 400 years, no miracle, no angel sighting, no prophet, no, no part of the word of God being written, 400 years of silence. Does that help you understand maybe the, the situation that, that Mary's in? What, what she is trying to, to, to process and to receive? And that would explain then why she says, um, so uh, how does this work out <laughs> how, how is this going to happen because you, you know i 'm a i 'm a virgin I, I you know i haven 't started that journey in my life you, you know folks after i 've just said that the bible 's not a miracle every single page i didn 't say there was no miracles. The Bible absolutely is a book of miracles, and God absolutely intends for the way this is coming about to be." A miracle it saddens me to see uh, I guess what I would call more liberal liberal theologians, liberal Bible scholars will come to a passage like this and and they want to help you and I believe and and you know we need to get past some of this mythology and fairy tale stuff and and, and see what's show really and so they would come to a passage like this, and they 're going to try to remove the miracle from us, and they 'll look at that word virgin, and they will rightly say that the word virgin is not necessarily just a word about sexual experience. It is also a word that can mean young woman, and that's absolutely right. It, it, it can just, it, it just be saying Mary was a young woman, but the only problem, with while that is a true definition, uh, the context doesn't allow for you to interpret it as just a young woman. You know, in the English language, we have words that mean more than one thing too, don't we? And they have more than one. Week. We have words that mean things that are actually kind of contradictory to each other. And so what you and I do is we listen. We, we listen to the, to the tone of voice or the person's expressions. We listen to the story going on around it, and we know what a word means, right? And so I can, I can say, man, that's sick. Okay, now I could be saying somebody's not feeling well. I could be saying something is gross. Or for those of you from the 70s, I could be saying actually that something's really cool. Now, how are you going to know if I'm saying it's gross or it's cool? You're going you're to tell by my facial, man, that's sick. Okay, that probably means that's kind of cool, right? If all this word means is Mary was a young woman, if she's saying to the angel, how's this going to happen because I'm just a young woman? Uh, being a young woman doesn't mean you can't have a baby, does it? No, as a matter of fact, folks, if you'll kind of look throughout history, it's usually young women are in the baby-making business. You know, it doesn't take anything special. There's no question about how I'm going to conceive because I'm a a young woman. No, that's exactly who does conceive is a young woman. No, what she's saying is, how's this going to happen because I am a virgin? I've not started that journey in in my life. God absolutely intends For this to be a miracle. He intended this to be a miracle. At least 700 years before it happened. Man another really enjoyable Christmas verse. We often point to. Look up here at at Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. I'm going to give you a sign. I don't want you to miss it. I'm going to give you a sign. Behold the virgin. Shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. How do you know when my son arrives? When it's by the virgin birth. Folks, God gives signs. He wants us to see, to understand. He wants us to know. That's who God is, that's the way He works. Jesus is called the what of the world? The light. What, what happen, When the light comes on, I can see. I can tell what's happening. I can understand. God wants us to see, see what's happening, and understand. It grieves me. We've got religions and ideas out there that, that God works through mysteries and codes. And, you know, there's something about our nature. We can kind of get caught up in that, can't we? I mean, it seems kind of, I mean, what it was it, a dozen years or so ago, we had uh, the Da Vinci Code. And we know it's not a true story, but, you know, I wonder, I wonder what if... I wonder if there's something to that, and you know, you gotta you gotta find the secret number and multiply it by the change in your pocket, and you'll learn who the Antichrist is, and you know, you, you just all these things, and and it's for the special few that can crack the code. That's not who God is. That's never how God reveals Himself. You know, we have a, 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 a going on in America today, Mormonism. You know, for Mormonism what was seen as a, a cult, understood as a cult for centuries. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like about ten years ago, didn't it just all of a sudden become another Christian denomination? It's like, oh, that's, you know, it's just... Folks, we don't believe a little differently from them. That's, that's not the difference between us and Mormons, is, oh, well, we look at some things differently. They are antithetical antithetical, and contrary to Everything we believe about the person of Christ. And guess how their entire faith is delivered? Through a secret. You know where the Book of Mormon comes from? Joseph Smith interpreted it off of secret tablets. He was the only person on planet earth that could see the secret tablets. And do you know how he could see the secret tablets? With his secret glasses. And he was the only one who could see the secret glasses on planet earth. Only, folks, you're not going to find that in scripture. You're not going to find that being the way that God works. That I pick one special person who gets to know and good luck to the rest of you. God wants us all. To, he's given the sign. You know, this whole mess we're in started all the way back in Genesis 3. Every problem on this earth started back in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve and the, and the horrible rebellion that they did. And do you know in that moment God's first sign, God's first prophecy came. He said, "Hey, hey Eve, man, what an, what a what words of kindness after you've just broken everything." And God says, "Hey Eve, through you I'm going to bring something that'll fix all this. I'm I'm going to use you to bring the answer by your womb, from your seed will come one" Now, you stop and think about how you figure out who that one is. I mean, there's like, like, I don't know, billions and billions and billions of babies that have come from Eve. How am I going to know which one is the one? It's the one through a virgin birth. Well, that narrows it down. The only one qualifies for that. See, that's what God is doing. And there's 60 other prophecies like that. And every one of these prophecies is a big neon arrow to the manger saying, This is the one this is the one I was telling you about. And, 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 and so folks, you know, this, this is again, this is the, the mindset, the attitude that we have to understand Mary is trying to process. This was absolutely meant to be a miraculous event. There's actually some theological that I'm not going into as much today, but there's some theological understanding of why a virgin birth as it relates to sinlessness and, and sin nature and what Christ would have inherited. But, but bottom line today, is I just want, this is absolutely a miraculous moment to which all Mary can say is Ah, uh, how's this happen because miracles can't be explained right they're not intended to be explained and so the angel Gabriel begins to explain to her listen bottom line is the Holy Spirit is going to come put it there the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to put the child in you this child by the way just to be clear holy Son of the Most High, Son of God, a King forever. His kingdom has no end. Boy, some pretty lofty titles for a baby, huh? I'll be honest with you, all those titles and all that those titles can mean, the one that grabs me is, is, the, is the one forever. Because babies don't generally live forever, do they? When you think about it, it's, it's not unusual. I mean, it doesn't happen every day. But we've seen babies born into certain families, babies born into certain situations where you can say, okay, the track of that baby is going to be to greatness. I, I mean, they're, they're just on it. They're, they're going to be royalty. They're, they're, they're going to be. I mean, we see babies born, but none of them are forever. And so, you know, right away, okay, whatever's going on here, whatever all those titles mean, this is forever. This is really special. What an opportunity. So how would you respond? Don't even try to answer because you can't. (laughs) You know why we can't respond? Because our response is going to be from this side of the story. We know too much already. We know how this works out for Jesus, how it works out for Mary. Yeah, sign me up. I want everybody in human history to know my name. But Mary's not answering. Her response isn't this side of the story. Her response is that side of the story. You know... Mary, don't make her something you're not. She's going to have all the same questions, all the same emotions, all the same problems with this as you are. I mean, right away, I think first thing she's wondering is, did what I think just happened to me happen to me? I mean, don't you think there's a chance you walk away from this moment and go, was I dreaming? Was this real? Did I eat something bad last night? I mean... I think there's a significant chance you doubt yourself in what just happened. But the bigger thing, okay, that just happened, that's real, I I know it's real. Who am I going to tell this to? 400 years of silence. Folks, even in the Bible, miracles are not happening every single day. It's not one angel siding to the other. The people of then are no different from the people of now. Who is she going to explain this to? Would you believe her? Would you believe her? And I'm going to say you wouldn't. Sorry. (laughs) I would. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. No, think about it. Mary, Mary lives two doors down from me. She's been babysitting our kids for the last three years and, and I've got a, I've got a Christmas party. Now, don't ask me how I have a Christmas party before all this has happened, but just go with me here for a moment. Okay, so my, my wife and I are going to the office Christmas party. So Mary comes to the door. She can come in, and take care of our, 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 our little children. And, and she now, oh, Mary's got a bump. Hey, Mary, what's, what's, what's going on? And she tells me this story. you know I, I I don't think we're going to go to the party tonight. I, I don't think we 're going to need you to babysit. <laughs> you crazy person, get out of my house i mean I mean honestly, what how would you respond? would you say this is a 15 year old girl walks in and tells you this story i I, I don 't think we believe her so she's she's dealing with the unbelievable, and when she shows up in her community pregnant. With an unbelievable story. You know that, that's a community and a culture. That's not going to receive that very well. I mean this could really. Really be costly. For her. And that's what makes her response. One of the most incredible moments in the Bible. I. Am the Lord's. Servant. Do I understand everything that just happened to me? Do, do I understand how this is going to fold out? What am I going to tell my fiance? What am I going to tell my parents? What am I going to tell my community? You know, it doesn't really matter. When you're a servant, you don't debate. When you're a servant, if, if you really believe yourself to be a servant, you don't say no. So, to the unbelievable and to what could be the quite costly, her only response is, I, I am the Lord's servant. Boy, that's a gift, isn't it, to give to the Lord? I, I'm guessing many of us in here consider themselves to be a servant of the Lord, don't you? I, I do. If you said, hey, Randy, are you a servant of Jesus? I, yeah, sure am. I wouldn't have to think about it. I, I wouldn't. I went, well, you know, I try. I'm not always, you know. No, yeah, I'm a, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And I would say that without hesitation until I meet Mary. And then I wonder if I'm a servant at all. Because I say no a lot. And I debate a lot. And that's not actually how the servant thing works. Let me give you three commands. A lot of commands in Scripture, right? A lot of commands in Scripture. Let me me give you three. Give. Give to the Lord. Give to the, the work of the Lord. Financially, of your money. Something pretty precious to us. Give. Number two, forgive. Forgive your enemy. Forgive that one who's hurt you, who's wronged you. Third command, be a witness. Leave here today and you're looking not for one opportunity before you die. You're looking for every opportunity you can this week to share who Christ is to you. ...what He's meant in your life. Give, forgive, and be a witness. Why Why those three commands? And and you know what? There could be others in there. I picked those three, though, just in my own journey with the Lord... ...being a, a believer, a, a pastor, 30, 40 years. Those are three commands... That I think we've grown pretty comfortable at saying no to the Lord. As a matter of fact, we say no to the Lord so much and so confidently, we don't even think of it as a sin. I, that's not even something I need to confess. Hey, Lord, I know you want this. I'm not doing it. I don't plan on it. We don't even confess it. No. God, God says give. No. I, 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 I mean, I suppose you're God. You can ask. It all came from you. But, but I can't afford it. Forgive. They haven't changed. They hadn't even said they're sorry. Be a witness. Ah, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think you're going to want me being a witness, Lord. I, I I can't explain this. Who's gonna Who's gonna believe me? And I don't know that we would say this to the Lord, but we're thinking it. My office, my team. I start talking about this. That's going to be costly. That's 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 that's, that's not going to work. I mean, we don't say no to the Lord because we're mean. We just say no to the Lord because what he's asking isn't going to work. It, it, it's wrong. Do you, do you realize every one of these statements I just made with these three commands, Mary could have used every one of those right here, couldn't she? Lord, this is, wow, super unbelievable. I mean, you realize you're, you're asking me to share with people something that any thinking person's not going to believe. I mean, do you want me to be made fun of? Do you want me to be run out of the community? Hey, Lord, this, this could be really costly. Well, Lord, I, I, I do that. People are going to take advantage of me. I mean, we're, we're always going to justify why we say no. The problem is servants don't say no. So call yourself what you want. But don't call yourself a servant if you're saying no. Now, the way I want to respond to what I just said, well, I say yes a whole bunch of times. I only say no about half the time. Yet yeah, that's not just not how it works. What a gift. To give to our Lord, which actually, I don't know if it's a gift or me just finally acknowledging who He is and who I am. What does it mean to be a servant of the Lord? It means every time I open this book... I open it with a heart to say yes. Whatever my Bible reading is this morning, wherever it leads me, whatever I'm, I'm doing, when I, when I read it, I'm, I mean, when I close, the only goal is to say yes to what I just heard. Yes to how I need to respond. Yes to what I need to be. Yes to what I do. Because that's what servants do. Servants say Yes. What a heart to give to Christ. The heart of a, of a willing and a ready and a trusting servant. You know, a very general way to apply that is what I just said. When I, when I read the Bible, I'm going to hear this as, as the words of my master, and I'm, I'm going to say yes. But maybe in closing today, very specifically, what would saying yes to the Lord mean to you right here and right now? Now, I'm asking that question, I'll be honest with you, almost with the assumption that every person in here is absolutely saying no to the Lord somewhere. Maybe it's something very specific. You know, you, you know God laid something on your heart last week to do, to say, to go, and you you just aren't. Maybe, maybe it's not something that specific. Maybe it's just... The last year or so, last year or two, you know God's been saying start, stop, go, and, and you're saying no. What, what would it mean? I mean, folks, I, I can't get any more concrete than this. This is like an actual gift. We can put, wrap and paper and put a bow on it and say, here you go, Lord. I'm going to say yes right, right here. Why would you say yes? Because you see the worthiness of your master like Mary did. And that the only right thing, whatever it costs, whatever you understand, however people respond, the only right thing. Is yes. Servants don't say no. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, uh, I pray that you'd move right now in our hearts and lives and, and speak now, God. Lay on our heart that place, that thing, that situation, that decision, that person, that activity that is going on where we know what your will is. We know what you want in that, and we have thus far said no. May I love you enough, may I trust you enough to say yes. May we want to be your servant. I can't think of a higher, greater, loftier position than servant of the Almighty. Oh Lord, guide each of us right now in what that thing is may we be dedicating to you, right here, right now, the way, the time, the place, the situation where we're going to start saying yes and making that happen. Holy Spirit, would you, would you help us? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.